0: Hi, my name is Pritha. Welcome to my first ever podcast. In today's first ever episode, I will read Annie Frank's diary. Now, a lot of you guys know who Annie Frank is, I suppose. But many might not know what her story is. So, I will help you guys those who don't know and uh, since this is my first ever podcast I might make a lot of mistakes but I hope you guys forgive me (laughs) okay so let's start I will read you from my book that I own so let's start now before I start the diary I will introduce you who is Anne Frank. I will read the introduction, why is she so famous, so let's get started. A 13-year-old girl in the Netherlands is given a diary for her birthday. Two days later, she starts writing in it. It would have been the typical diary of a typical teenage girl, only it was the June of 1942. Adolf Hitler has launched his aggressive campaign against the Jews of continental Europe. His armies had taken over much of the continent already, Austria, Czechoslovakia, and Poland falling one after another like matchsticks, and when the Germans entered Netherlands the little girl, also a Jew, went into hiding with her father Otto Frank, her mother Edith, sister Margaret, and another family of three in a sealed-off room concealed behind a wooden bookcase in the upper annex of the building her father worked in, in Amsterdam. They would have remained in hiding with the others for two years until they would be all betrayed and then whisked away by soldiers of the occupying German forces to a concentration camp where she would ultimately die of typhus. A mere two weeks before, she would have been liberated along with others by British troops had she managed to pull herself through the illness. Annie Frank was fifteen years old when she died in their bergen Belsen concentration camp in the early days of March 1945. Her short young life snuffed out tragically by the workings of a twisted manic ideology. Born in June 1929, Annie would have probably led a life of obscurity and the diary had not been published by her father in 1947. She would have remained a number, a faceless statistic lost in a government file, supposedly documenting the human side of the Second World War. But it was not to be so. Though she had started writing in her diary in the summer of 1942, it had never been the intention of creating a record of her experiences as a Jew in hiding, and diary was, for her a space to express herself in the most honest and candid of terms. She, she shielded away from writing nothing, revealing all and bearing her very soul on the pages of the diary. However, in March 1944, Annie heard a radio broadcast by a member of the Dutch government in exile in London who spoke of wanting to create a public archive of the Dutch people's experiences of oppression under the German regime. He asked the people to save all their letters, their diaries, journals, and photographs for they would have all proved invaluable to his project. Inspired, Anne began editing her journal with the intention of submitting it for the publication once the war was over. She worked her way through two years of writing, always staying true to what she had seen and been through, to what she had written. Today, Anne Frank's diary is one of the most important documents to have survived Hitler's madness. Official records and political discourses aside, it is through the victim and the survivor's voices alone that a human story can be woven out of historical tragedies. And Annie's diary does just this. She was 13 years old when she started writing. She had nothing to prove, no hidden agendas to achieve, no propaganda to spread. She wrote simply because she wanted to. She wrote with the great innocence and sincerity that only children can possess. But what she wrote was not as innocent as she herself was. Amidst all the controversies and debates that have surrounded the Holocaust, Annie's diary, one of the most meticulously maintained and revealing of documents to come from the victim's side, has become a symbolic text of the Holocaust. Children read abridged versions of the diary as a part of their academic curriculum to acquaint themselves of what a girl their age faced during a particularly terrible time in the 1940s. Academicians and historians revolve works of great merit around it, using it as an authentic source point of historical truth. Of the diary itself, Dutch journalist and historian Jane Romain said in 1946 that, although stammered out in Child's voice, It embodies all the hideousness of racism, more so than all the evidence at Nuremberg put together. Annie's voice has reached out across continents and generations. Her diary has kept the victims of Holocaust from slipping into an otherwise inevitable anonymity. She has given others like her a face and a life. She has made it real for all those who lived through it and for those who came after her just like us. It is said that the wound of the psyche of people suffers cannot be healed by its closing up. It is only in keeping the memory of the wound alive, in remembering and in sharing that the people find their true catharsis. The diary of a young girl In as many times as it is read and discussed, in as many times as it inspires dialogue and historical debates, will bring this catharsis closer. This is all about the introduction. So since this is my first ever podcast, I hope you guys enjoy and forgive my mistakes. I will do better with time. And see you in next episode. Bye. Hi guys. Welcome to my podcast. Thank you so, so much for listening. Those who have listened, I'm really, really grateful and it means a lot to me. And I will improve with time since this is my first time so please cut me some slack okay okay moving on from now on from today actually I will officially start reading the diary entries by Annie Frank but before I start I just want to remind you that Annie's birthday is on June 12 1929 she got this diary on her 13th birthday which is June 12, 1942. So as soon as she gets this diary, she starts writing on it. So her first entry is on June 12, 1942. I hope I will be able to confide everything to you as I have never been able to confide in anyone and I hope hope you will be a great source of comfort and support after this Annie adds something more which was on September 20 1942 so during this time she was on hiding she went on hiding with her family and another family called the Vandans okay so she added so far you truly have been a great source of comfort to me and so has Kitty whom I now write to regularly. This way of keeping a diary is much nicer. And now I can hardly wait for those moments when I'm able to write in you. Oh, I'm so glad I brought you along. So Kitty is the name given to her diary by her. Okay, so back to June 14, 1942, Sunday. Two days after her 13th birthday. She writes, I'll begin from the moment I got you, the, the moment I saw you lying on the table among my other birthday presents. Within bracket, she adds, I went along when you were bought, but that doesn't count. <clears throat> on Friday, June 12th, I was awake at 6 o'clock, which isn't surprising since it's my birthday but i'm not allowed to get up at that hour so i had to control my curiosity until quarter to seven when i couldn't wait any longer i went to the dining room where murci the cat her cat's name is that welcomed me by rubbing against my legs a little after seven I went to Daddy and Mama and then to the living room to open my presents. And you were the first thing I saw, maybe one of the maybe one of my nicest presents. Then a bouquet of roses, some peonies and a potted plant. From daddy and mama I got a blue blouse, a game, a bottle of grape juice, which to my mind tastes a bit like wine. After all, mine is made of grapes, a puzzle, a jar of cold cream, 2.50 gliders, and a gift token for two books. I got another book as well, Camera Obscura, she adds in bracket, but Margaret already has it, so I exchanged mine for something else. A platter of homemade biscuits, again she adds in bracket, which I made myself, of course, since I've become quite an expert at baking biscuits. Lots of sweets and a strawberry tart from mother. And a letter from granny, right on time. But of course, that was just a coincidence. Then Haneli came to pick me up and we went to school. During recess, I handed out biscuits to my teachers and my class and then it was time to get back to work. I didn't arrive home until 5 since I went to the gym with the rest of the class. She adds in bracket, I'm not allowed to take part because my shoulders and hips tend to get dislocated. As it was my birthday, I got to decide which game my classmates would play and I chose volleyball. Afterward, they all danced around me in a circle and sang happy birthday. When I got home, St. Lutherman was already there. Ilse Wagner, Nelly Gosler and Jacqueline Van Marsen came home with me after gym since we are in the same class. Hanely and Sane used to be my two best friends. People who saw us together used to say, There goes Annie, Hannie and Sammy. I only met Jacqueline van Mersen when I started at the Jewish Lyceum, and now she is my best friend. Ilse is Hanely's best friend, and Sane goes to another school and has friends there. They gave me a beautiful book, Dutch Sagas and Legends, but they gave me volume 2 by mistake, so I exchanged two other books for volume 1. Aunt Helene brought me a puzzle, Aunt Stephane, a darling brooch, and Aunt Lenny, a terrific book. Daisy Goes to the Mountains. This morning, I lay in the bath, thinking how wonderful it would be if I had a dog like Rin Tin I'd call him Rin Tin too, and I'd take him to school with me where he could stay in the janitor's room or by the bicycle racks when the weather was good. Monday, June 15, 1942 I had my birthday party on Sunday afternoon. The Rin Tin Tin film was a big hit with my classmates. I got two brooches, a bookmark and two books. I'll start by saying a few things about my school and my class, beginning with the other children. Betty Blomendel looks rather poor, and I think she probably is. She lives on an obscure street in West Amsterdam, and none of us know where it is. She does very well at school, but that's because she works so hard, not because she's clever. She's pretty quiet. Jacqueline van Marsen is supposedly my best friend, but I've never had a real friend At first I thought Jack would be one but I was badly mistaken. Then she talks in in initials, DQ. DQ is one of her friends but she decided to stay anonymous so this is her initials. DQ is a very nervous girl who's always forgetting things. So the teachers keep giving her extra homework and punishment. She's very kind, especially to GZ. Okay, these initials are the people who, stay, who wanted to stay anonymous, okay? There are a lot of people like this here. ES talks so much, it isn't funny. She always touching your hair or fiddling with her butt- buttons when she asks you something. They say she can't stand me but I don't care since I don't like her much either. Henny Metz is a nice girl with a cheerful disposition. Except that she talks in a loud voice and is really childish when we are playing outdoors. Unfortunately, Henny has a girlfriend named Bepi has a bad influence on her because she's dirty and vulgar. J.R. I could write a whole book about her. J is a detestable, sneaky, stuck-up, two-faced gossip who thinks she's so grown-up. She's really got Jack under her spell. And that's a shame. J is easily offended, bursts into tears at the slightest thing. Stop it all, is a terrible show off. Miss J always has to be right. She's very rich and has a wardrobe full of the most adorable dresses that are much too old for her. She thinks she's gorgeous, but she's not. J and I can't stand each other. Ilsa Wagner is a nice girl with a cheerful disposition, but she's extremely Nikki and can spend hours moaning and groaning about something. Elsie takes. Ilsie likes me a lot. She's very clever but lazy. Henley Gosler or Liz, as she's co- Sorry, lies or lies, as she's called at school, is a bit on the strange side. She is usually sh- she is usually shy, outspoken at home, but reserved with other people. She blabs whatever you tell her to her mother. But she says what she thinks and lately I've come to appreciate her a great deal. Nanny Van Prague Cigar is small, funny and sensible. I think she's nice. She's pretty clever. There isn't much else you can say about Nanny. Eve Ji De Jong is... In my opinion, terrific. Though she is only twelve, she's quite the lady. She treats me like a baby. She's also very helpful and I like her. Jeezy is the prettiest girl in our class. She has a nice face, but is a bit stupid. I think they're going to hold her back for a year, but of course I haven't told her that. She adds after this. To my great surprise, Jeezy wasn't held back a year after all. And sitting next to Jeezy, it's the last of us 12 girls, me. There's a lot to be said about the boys, or maybe not so much after all. Maurice Koster is one of my many admirers, but pretty much of a pest. Sally Springer has a filthy mind. And Rumor has it that he's gone all the way Still I think he's terrific because he's very funny Emile Bonewit is Jeezy's admirer, but she doesn't care. He's pretty boring Rob Cohen used to be in love with me, too But I can't stand him anymore He's an obnoxious two-faced lying Sniveling little twit who has an awfully high opinion of himself. Max Van De Veld is a farm boy from Madame Blick, but a decent sort, as Margaret would say. Herman Koopman also has a filthy mind, just like Joe P. De Beer, who is also a terrible flirt and a girl chaser. Leo Blom. Is Jopi the beer's best friend has but has been spoiled by his dirty mind Albert demasqueda came from the Montessori school and jumped a year he's really clever Leo slager came from the same school but isn't as clever rue stuffppelman is a short goofy boy from almelo who's who transferred to the school in the middle of the year? CN does whatever he's not supposed to. Jack Scoker note sits behind us next to C and we G and I laugh ourselves stupid. Harry Scap is the most decent boy in our class. He's nice. Werner Joseph is nice too. But all the changes taking place lately and have made him too quiet, so he seems boring. Sam Solomon is one of those tough guys from the rough part of town, a real brat. Appy Rim is pretty orthodox, but a brat too. So guys, this is it for today. I hope you enjoy and uh, if i stuttered or misspelled something i'm really sorry because it's my first time so i'm not really good at it but i'll try to be better um what else to say i already said i hope you enjoy right um I guess I will see you in next episode, so, until then, bye! Hi guys! Welcome to my podcast. Thank you so so much for listening, those who have listened, I'm really really grateful and it means a lot to me. And I will improve with time since this is my first time. So please cut me some slack, okay? Okay, moving on. From now on, from today actually, I will officially start reading the diary entries by Annie Frank. But before I start, I just want to remind you that Annie's birthday is on June 12, 1929. She got this diary on her 13th birthday, which is June 12, 1942. So as soon as she gets this diary, she starts writing on it. So her first entry is on June 12, 1942. I hope I will be able to confide everything to you. As I have never been able to confide in anyone and I hope hope he will be a great source of comfort and support. After this, Annie adds something more, which was on September 20, 1942. So, during this time, she was on hiding. She went on hiding with her family and another family called the Vandans. Okay, so she added so far you truly have been a great source of comfort to me and so has kitty whom i now write to regularly this way of keeping a diary is much nicer and now i can hardly wait for those moments when i'm able to write in you oh i'm so glad i brought you along so kitty is the name given to her diary by her Okay, so back to June 14, 1942, Sunday, two days after her 13th birthday, she writes, I'll begin from the moment I got you, the the moment I saw you lying on the table among my other birthday presents. Within brackets, she adds, I went along when you were bought, but that doesn't count. <clears throat> On Friday, June 12th, I was awake at 6 o'clock, which isn't surprising since it's my birthday. But I'm not allowed to get up at that hour. So I had to control my curiosity until quarter to 7. When I couldn't wait any longer, I went to the dining room where Murchi. The cat, her cat's name is that, welcomed me by rubbing against my legs. A little after seven, I went to Daddy and Mama and then to the living room to open my presents. And you were the first thing I saw, maybe one of the maybe one of my nicest presents. Then a bouquet of roses, some peonies and a potted plant. From daddy and mama I got a blue blouse, a game, a bottle of grape juice which to my mind tastes a bit like wine. After all, wine is made of grapes. A puzzle, a jar of cold cream, 2.50 gliders and a gift token for two books. I got another book as well, Camera Obscura she adds in bracket but margaret already has it so i exchanged mine for something else a platter of homemade biscuits again she adds in bracket which i made myself of course since i've become quite an expert at baking biscuits lots of sweets and a strawberry tart from mother and a letter from granny right on time but of course, that was just a coincidence. Then Hanelli came to pick me up and we went to school. During, res- during recess, I handed out biscuits to my teachers and my class. And then it was time to get back to work. I didn't arrive home until 5. Since I went to the gym with the rest of the class. She adds in bracket, I'm not allowed to take part because my shoulders and hips tend to get dislocated. As it was my birthday, I got to decide which game my classmates would play and I chose volleyball. Afterward they all danced around me in a circle and sang happy birthday. When I got home, St. Letterman was already there, Ilse Wagner. Nellie Gosler and Jacqueline Van Marson came home with me after gym, since we are in the same class. And Nellie and Sam used to be my two best friends. People who saw us together used to say, "There goes Annie, Hanny, and Sammy." I only met Jacqueline Van Marson when I started at the Jewish Lyceum, and now she is my best friend. Ilsa is Hanelli's best friend, and Sam goes to another school and has friends there. They gave me a beautiful book, Dutch sagas and legends, but they gave me volume 2 by mistake, so I exchanged two other books for volume 1. Aunt Helene brought me a puzzle, Aunt Stephane, a darling brooch, and Aunt Lenny, a terrific book, Daisy Goes to the Mountains. This morning, I lay in the bath. Thinking how wonderful it would be if I had a dog like Rin Tin Tin. I'd call him Rin Tin Tin too and I'd take him to school with me where he could stay in the janitor's room or by the bicycle racks when the weather was good. Monday June 15, 1942 I had my birthday party on Sunday afternoon. The Rin Tin Tin film was a big hit with my classmates. I got two brooches, a bookmark, and two books. I will start by saying a few things about my school and my class, beginning with the other children. Betty Blomendel looks rather poor, and I think she probably is. She lives on an obscure street in West Amsterdam, and none of us know where it is. She does very well at school, but that's because she works so hard. Not because she's clever. She's pretty quiet. Jacqueline von Mersen is supposedly my best friend. But I've never had a real friend. At first I thought Jack would be one but I was badly mistaken. Then she talks in, in initials. DQ. DQ is one of her friends but she decided to stay anonymous so... This is her initials. DQ is a very nervous girl who's always forgetting things. So the teachers keep giving her extra homework and punishment. She's very kind, especially to GZ. Okay, these initials are the people who stay, who wanted to stay anonymous. Okay? There are a lot of people like this here else talks so much it isn't funny. She always touching your hair or fiddling with her buttons when she asks you something. They say she can't stand me but I don't care since I don't like her much either. Hany Metz is a nice girl with a cheerful disposition except that she talks in a loud voice and is really childish when we are playing outdoors. Unfortunately, Henny has a girlfriend named Beppi who has a bad influence on her because she is dirty and vulgar. J.R. I could write a whole book about her. J. is a detestable, sneaky, stuck up, two faced gossip who thinks she's so grown up. She's really got Jack under her spell, and that's a shame. J. is easily offended. Bursts into tears at the slightest thing, and to top it all, is a terrible show off. Miss J always has to be right. She's very rich and has a wardrobe full of the most adorable dresses that are much too old for her. She thinks she's gorgeous, but she's not. J and I can't stand each other. Ilsa Wagner is a nice girl with a cheerful disposition, but She's extremely finicky and can spend hours moaning and groaning about something. Elsie takes Elsie likes me a lot. She's very clever but lazy. Hanelli Gosler or Lies, as she co- sorry lies or lies as she's called at school is a bit on the strange side. She is usually sh- she is usually shy outspoken at home but reserved with other people. She blabs whatever you tell her to her mother. But she says what she thinks and lately I've come to appreciate her a great deal. Nanny Van Prague Cigar is small, funny and sensible. I think she's nice. She's pretty clever. There isn't much else you can say about Nanny. If G- Evje De Jong is, in my opinion, terrific. Though she is only twelve, she's quite the lady. She treats me like a baby. She's also very helpful, and I like her. Jie is the prettiest girl in our class. She has a nice face, but is a bit stupid. I think they're going to hold her back for a year, but of course, I haven't told her that. She adds after this. To my great surprise, Jeezy wasn't held back a year after all. And sitting next to Jeezy, it's the last of us 12 girls, me. There's a lot to be said about the boys, or maybe not so much after all. Maurice Koster is one of my many admirers, but pretty much of a pest. Sally Springer has a filthy mind and rumor has it that he's gone all the way. Still, I think he's terrific, because he's very funny. Emile Bonewit is Jeezy's admirer, but she doesn't care. He's pretty boring. Rob Cohen used to be in love with me too, but I can't stand him anymore. He's an obnoxious, two-faced, lying, little twit who has an awfully high opinion of himself. Max Van Develd is a farm boy from Madam Blick, but a decent sort, as Margaret would say. Herman Koopman also has a filthy mind, just like Joe P. De Beer, who is also a terrible flirt and a girl chaser. Leo Blom is Chopin the best friend? Has but has been spoiled by his dirty mind. Albert de Masquida came from the Montessori school and jumped a year. He's really clever. Leo Slager came from the same school, but isn't as clever. Rue Stoppelmon is a short, goofy boy from Almelo, who's who transferred to the school in the middle of the year. CN does whatever he's not supposed to. Jack Scoker Note six behind us next to C and we G and I laugh ourselves stupid. Harry Scapp is the most decent boy in our class. He's nice. Werner Joseph is nice too. But all the changes taking place lately and have made him too quiet so he seems boring Sam Solomon is one of those tough guys from the rough part of town a real brat Appy Rim is pretty orthodox but a brat too so guys this is it for today I hope you enjoy and uh, if I stuttered or misspelled something I'm really sorry because it's my first time so I'm not really good at it but I'll try to be better um what else to say I always said I hope you enjoy right Um, I guess I will see you in next episode. So, until then, bye!